Well, praise the Lord, everybody. This is Brother J.W. Brand here at God's Whole Word. And we are here with you on this Tuesday uh, afternoon. And I'll tell you what, it's another hot day here in Texas. But I'll tell you what, it's going to be hotter in hell. And so wherever you live, if you think it's hot today, hell's going to be a whole lot hotter. And so it is that we believe that we've got to get right with God and stay right with God. Get right with God and stay right with God. And so here on God's whole word, we want to impart to you God's whole word in giving you what God says what God has decided is right. We don't get to decide what's right. God gets to decide what is right and what is wrong. And so we've been going uh, across Proverbs chapter 6 and verses 16 through 19 is where uh, the four uh, verses that we're going to be focusing on probably for a few weeks, so you know. Uh, we've, uh, well, we've been there for a while because uh, we're talking about the things that God hates. And, you know, the Bible says here, uh, six things, yea, seven um, things that God hates is certainly not an exhaustive list, and I've said that before, and I'm sure most of us understand that that is true. But it gives us an essence of what uh, things that can, uh, other things even, that can fit into these categories if we're mindful uh, to really pay attention to what God is saying. Because some people, uh, you know, they want to play with God's Word, you see. They want to hear it, and then they want to play around with it and change it to fit their agenda. But you can't do that with the Word of God. You've got to tell what God's Word says, the whole Word of God, God's whole Word. And then you've got to assess your life accordingly. Are you obedient to God or not? And you know, there's people out there that are going to tell you, and there's plenty of them, I'll tell you that right now. Plenty of pastors, plenty of preachers, plenty of teachers, plenty of churches out there that will just make you feel good with their messages. And people will run to them. Oh, I, I like going over there because they, you know, I feel so good when I hear what I hear. <coughs> and you know, sometimes... We don't always need to hear just what feels good, what sounds sweet and kind. Now, certainly, we need to hear those things, too. We need to be encouraged in all of those things. But you've got to have a balanced meal. How many of you would feed your kids nothing but donuts and cookies and candy and ice cream and punch and soda and think everything's going to be all right? And you just keep giving them that. You never give them anything else. 
you know full well they're going to get sick. It might take a, a bit for some more so than others, but they're going to get sick. You keep giving them that and giving them that and giving them that. Eventually, the body is going to begin to break down. And they may even go to throwing up and, and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, because they need something else other than just sweets. And I'll tell you what, Jesus is not a candy man. He's not a candy man. But they show us a lot of people out there that want to make Jesus into a candy man. Now, Jesus is loving and kind and merciful. The, the most kind and, and the most merciful that there is. But you can't use him and abuse him just so that you can play around with sin and then claim that you know him. You say, well, why are you saying all that? Well, because we're talking about the things that God hates. There's things that God hates. And you might say, oh, well, he hates it. He, he hates the sin, but, but he loves the sinner. You know that's a cop-out. It's a cop-out. That's what it is. It's a cop-out. It's a way to play around with God. Play around with Jesus. That's what you're doing. Now, when God says he hates something, he means he hates it. You ain't got no business. I ain't got no business sitting there twisting it and turning it some other way to make it sound sweet. If God says he hates something, he hates it. Isn't that right? Now, it says in verse 16, these six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. All of these things that we have been talking about, uh, about the things that God hates, these are considered abominations to God, which is no different than you worshiping an idol. It's one and the same. You have put these things in the place of God. Now, the first thing that we looked at for, uh, for a while, we did. You can find those loaded up on our podcast here at God's Whole Word. We looked at the proud look. It's the first thing listed that God hates. And I'll tell you, we really didn't exhaust everything about that. We could have just kept on going. But we wanted to move on. And so the next thing on the list was the lying tongue. And certainly there was a lot of things we could have added into that too. But after a while, we got to move on to the next thing. But see, these things, the proud look pride and liars. The lying tongue. Isn't the tongue attached to our bodies? You wouldn't even be able to lie through your mouth, using your mouth. Don't sit there and tell me, oh, people could tell a lie another way. Why do people always have to twist everything up? Just so they can be right. The Word of God says that God hates a lying tongue. Can you stop trying to deflect? And focus on what God said instead of trying to veer off, off some off-ramp somewhere so that you don't have to face the fact that God hates a liar. He hates lying. He hates pride. He hates lying. And now we've been talking about beginning to look at the other thing that God hates, the third 
thing on the list. And what is that? God hates the shedding of innocent blood. God hates it. He hates the shedding of innocent blood. Do you not hear his word? Do you not understand what it means to hate? Have you never hated anything? Now, some people, you know, uh, they're so holier than thou, they'll say, oh, not me. You know, there was a time in my life that I didn't always walk with the Lord. Y'all know what I mean? There was a time in my life that I was walking flat out uh, in a wicked, evil way. And if I would have died during that time, I would have went straight to hell. And I know I would have. And so there was time in that space and time in my life that there was even people I hated. And God had to do something different with me. God had to turn me around. God had to put a love down in my heart for those that I had at one time hated. You can't do that on your own. That won't work. But you know... There are so many people that want to ignore this thing that God talks about when he said that he hates the shedding of innocent blood. People want to just turn away from that conversation. It makes them uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. You know, this last podcast that we had this past Friday... I'm sure that if anybody listened to that, some people are going to get uncomfortable and they're going to flat out probably be really bent out of shape over it with me. Uh, but what you really need to understand is, uh, you know, I, I'm just telling you what God said. I mean, you get bent out of shape with me, but you're going to have to understand God, God's the one that said what he said. And then he sends people, calls them and says, OK, go, go tell what my word says. He said, how shall they hear without a preacher? And so God will, he will, you know, dispatch people, call them and, and, and put a word down in their heart. And, 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 and they feel pressed. I feel pressed. Many preachers um, feel pressed to get the word of God out there. Now, there's some people that uh, are preachers and they're just, it's a career to them. Do you know what I mean by that? Oh, if you don't know what I mean by that, you sure ain't been around. I mean, what planet are you on? But there's some of them. It's not really about a call to preach about sin and to preach against sin and to tell people that they need to repent. It's not about that at all. No, people playing games. You know, they use the pulpit as, as a mode of a career. What a shame. What an absolute shame. But it happens. It truly happens. Now, so we're talking about the things that God hates. And this part that we're on, we're talking about uh, hands that shed innocent blood. And, and on this past Friday, we talked about the fact that every one of us are guilty of this one. You say, oh, I've never shed innocent blood. Oh, yes, you have. Every one of us have. And we talked about the fact that every one of us are guilty of putting Jesus Christ on the cross because of our sin. Everyone is... Uh, you know, uh, sin comes short of the glory of God. Not, not anyone. K. 
can dare say that they're without sin. You're a liar. You're an absolute liar if you say that you have never sinned. You are lying through your teeth. And let me tell you something about liars. Not only does God hate liars, but God is going to take liars. See, this is how I know it's not just, oh, God hates the lion, but he loves the sinner. Well, of course he loves everybody. He wants people to be saved. That's the truth. We, we know that's true. But nevertheless, if you're going to keep on lying and you ain't going to repent of your lies, then let me tell you something. They're going to come a day, you're going to meet him, and God hates that. And you've become that. You've become the liar, you see. And the Bible says what God's going to do with liars. They're going to have their part in the lake of fire. There is a lake of fire. Whether you want to believe it or not. Nowadays, people don't want to talk about hell. They want to talk about the fire, that lake of fire. They don't want to talk about that. They, want, they don't want to talk about hell. They don't want to talk about the torment in hell. Uh-uh. No, they don't want to talk about that. Mm, let's make everything sweet. Let's smooth everything over. But if you're going to really look at God's whole word, I'm going to tell you what, if you, you're going down that road of sweetie pie, everything's just sweetie pie, sweetie pie, sweetie pie in the word of God, you're lying to yourself. What you're doing is you're skipping over a lot of verses. You better quit skipping. And you better look directly at all of the counsel of God's word. Mm -hmm. And God hates liars. And he said, they're all going to have their part in the lake of fire. Why? Because they became the very thing they just kept doing. If you continue to lie, you are a liar. Do you understand that? If you continue to lie, you are a liar. If you continue to walk in pride, then you are a proud one, and God is going to destroy the proud. Now, he gives grace to the humble. That's what the Word of God says. We've got to humble ourselves to God. In the presence of the Lord, humbling ourselves under his mighty hand, and let him work in our lives to change that pride. And I don't mean change it like into good pride. There ain't no such thing. But I mean to change it from pride to a humble spirit, a humble heart. You say, well, you sure don't sound like you got a humble heart. You know, some people, they, they liken certain preachers as to being uh, not humble just because I hit my desk or because I raise my voice. They'll say, oh, that's not a humble person. Well, did you ever read the story about John the Baptist? Now, I ain't liking myself under John the Baptist. I'm not trying to do that at all. But I'm just saying, I mean, there was, the Bible says there's no greater prophet than him. So, so, I mean, tell me, what did it say about him? Huh? He was a voice of what? Crying in the wilderness. Have you ever looked that word up? Hmm? Oh, he wasn't quiet when he was preaching. And not only that, but he was just flat out telling him, if you don't repent of what you're doing, you, you're going to die without God. And that's the reason why they cut his head off eventually, because people didn't like what he was saying, and they didn't like his, in, his intensity. They didn't like the fact that he just laid the law down and said, this is the way it is. 
And, and yet the Bible talks about him in, in a way that uh, it talks about no other prophet. And I mean in a good way. There's, there's no greater one, no greater prophet than John. And somebody said, well, that's because uh, he, he, was, he was the one to introduce the Messiah. Well, of course, that's got part to do with it, but that isn't all. He paved the way. How did he pave the way? By telling people they need to repent. <laughs> repent and get right with God. That's what John said. That's what he said. And, you know, when Jesus began his ministry after he came out of the wilderness battling with that devil, you will find that it says that Jesus came from that point and went out preaching repentance, to repent. Don't tell me Jesus don't teach repentance. Don't tell me Jesus don't expect you to turn from your wicked ways and stop your prideful ways and, and your lying tongue and the shedding of innocent blood. Now, we're going to talk about shedding of innocent blood. Now, as I said last Friday, we're all guilty of shedding innocent blood because we all shed the blood of Jesus Christ. And some people say, well, I was not there. Well, you didn't have to be there. We, uh, I wasn't there, and I'm guilty of it. It's all because we sinned. And our sin is what nailed him there on the cross. Have you not looked at the book of Hebrews and looked at all the things that talked about the sacrifice of Jesus that he made for you and I? Might be wise for you to go read it. So, now... Hebrews, Proverbs 6, or not Hebrews, excuse me. <laughs> there ain't no book, Hebrews, Proverbs, but anyway. All right. So, the book of Proverbs, chapter 6, and verse 16, 17, says these six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. So, let's look at that for a minute, shall we? Hands that shed innocent blood. Let's look at the word hands. What does that word mean? You say, you know, it just amazes me, the people, when you when you try to, you know, you spend time studying the Word of God, and then people always got something to run their mouth about and say something. And you know what that is. I'm going to tell you what it is. It's a spirit of pride. It really is. But, you know, there are there are teachers and pastors and, and everyone that take the time. They really honestly pray and ask God to, to help them to, to be able to impart the word to people, to listen, uh, to help them to listen to the word of God and, and to be able to uh, put the seed of the word of God down in their soul. And there are many preachers and teachers and pastors and different, different ones, they, they take it very seriously. It's, it's not something that they, you know, haphazardly do. They really take the time to search these things out. And I do the best that I can. I'm not saying that I'm the greatest. Uh, you know, I, I have told people, you know, some people don't like what I say when I say this, but, you know, anybody that studies the Word of God, you could call yourself a theologian. And, you know, the great theologians of our day, you know, uh, they got all their accolades across their walls in their office with all of their degrees and so on. And their degrees don't do nothing if you can't, Look at the Word of God and find the truth. 
I don't mean your truth. Mm -mm -mm -mm. The Bible literally makes it clear there's only one truth. They ain't your truth, and that's your truth, and this is my truth. No, there ain't no such thing. The Bible don't teach that. But you got to know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And, 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 you know, when we search the Word of God and we look at the Word of God, the Word of God gives us truth. It tells us what God expects of us. It tells us what God is saying is wicked and evil to him and, and, and what he says and deems as holy. You don't get to decide that. God has already decided that, and it's in his word. So let's look at the word hands. It says God hates hands that shed innocent blood. So what does this word hands mean? Now, it doesn't necessarily, when you look it up, mean the actual hand, like hand with fingers and so on and so forth. It, it is implying an open hand, which would, you know, uh, indicate a hand with fingers and all of that kind of thing. But it's meaning something specific because it says the open hand, <coughs> and then it goes into... Now, remember, this is in the Hebrew. This uh, is in the book of Proverbs, which was written in Hebrew. So... Uh, you have to understand it through uh, the idea of Jewish thought. And what they understood this to mean was the open hand was indicating in Jewish thought uh, someone who has power over someone else. Someone who uh, gains power over someone else or has power over someone else. So let's look... <clears throat> At those that you could have power over, you it could be that way. Well, number one, we'll talk about young children. You know, they're probably the most vulnerable of all young children because they, you know, they're looking to you to take care of them. Um, they're looking to you to... Um, make sure that they're fed and, and clothed or whatever it is that they have need of. They're looking to you to protect them. And so they can be the most vulnerable uh, of all. And, I, you know, when I went to write these things out, I began to pray and ask the Lord to give me some of these things. I began to, to uh, remember some of the things as of late that I have seen uh, come across my phone. Now, lately, my phone ain't working, which I guess the Lord just allowed it to just uh, come on, stop, you know, come to a stop for right now. At least a portion of it, the portion where I was going and looking at different things that are, were coming across in news and that. And so that part's not working on my phone right now. But, but I mean, uh, over the last, you know, couple of years looking at different things, and especially these last couple of months and weeks, and it absolutely saddens me i mean i've actually went to tears a couple of times because of some things that little children little innocent children have gone through even at the hands of their own flesh and blood parents it just is absolutely astounding and it it, it boggles the mind it really boggles the mind how is it that that little innocent child does not do something to your heart that you you would want to reach out to them and protect them and take care of them and, and that kind of thing. And how it is 
that uh, that it just doesn't happen a lot of times um, with some parents with their own children. Now, uh, my spouse and I, we did foster care for about 11 years. And I'm going to tell you, we've seen some you know, terrible things over the years. And not only that, but I was in foster care myself um, in my late teens. And, um, you know, there were things that I saw even then, you know, children that had come into the system and, and the terrible things that some of them had went through at the hands of their own parents. And it's just devastating. It, it, it's absolutely devastating because these young children, they, they, you know, they are... Uh, when you look up uh, the Word of God as it is talking, because it's saying hands that shed innocent blood. When you look up the word innocent, it's it's meaning blameless and guiltless. And certainly, the young children, uh, the you know the very young children uh, that you see, you know toddlers, even toddlers. I mean, I I, I just. It not only has sometimes brought me to tears, but it's made me angry because I read some of these stories and it just flat out makes me angry. It's like, how could you do that to your own child? How? I mean, any child for that matter. I mean, any child whatsoever. How could you take a little child that is so desperately in need of you caring for them and then you treat them so wicked and so mean and so hateful? Uh, it, it just it, It's unbelievable. It's just astounding uh, what what goes on. But but young children, they are um, certainly uh, someone that is going to have someone that has power over them. Because we were talking about the hands, hands that shed innocent blood, and that word meant uh, the open hand, and in Jewish thought indicating to have power over. And certainly that can um, be absolutely 100% true uh, with children and especially young children. And then, of course, uh, those that are emotionally weak. Um, and, uh, you know, when I, when I talk about that, it's not just people with um, emotional problems per se. Some people say, well, if they're emotionally weak, they have an emotional problem. Well, not necessarily in what I mean. I mean just people that are just uh, basically... Uh, they do not have a strong personality. They do not have a strong uh, will and that kind of thing. And there could be different reasons as to why that that has come about in their life. But, uh, you know, some people are, are kind of geared in that way to where they have what people would look at and say, well, they have kind of a, a emotionally weak uh, manner about them, um, and so on and so forth. Now, of course, uh, those that uh, are emotionally uh, struggling, that have emotional uh, problems, difficulties, and that kind of thing, they can fit in this category too, where people uh, in power, that open hand, that power of authority over them, can cause uh, that to be abused, and you know, the hand of power over them. Uh, being um, cruel and abusive. And and I do want to make this point. Now, God is saying that he hates the shedding of innocent blood. But you know, the shedding of innocent blood, you know it's got to start somewhere. So don't sit there and act like that uh, God is overlooking those that manipulate 
people who are maybe uh, vulnerable, who are the blameless and the guiltless and maybe the vulnerable people who trust you. You know what I mean? I mean, even even like when you're in a relationship, you know, with like a husband and wife, spouses, they they are, you know, there's there's some trust that should be there, and you uh, you have a uh, a sense uh, with one another, at least you should, uh, that you trust the other person, and so it's a terrible thing when someone that you trust that. Um, power that they can exude over you because of the fact that you trust them uh, can uh, create a, just a, a devastating situation. And I'm, I, let me give you an example. And this is a true story. And I think I have mentioned it on this podcast and I've mentioned it during my preaching because it, it was really a terrible, terrible thing that happened. But it does need to be brought out from time to time depending on what you're talking about. And since we're talking about even those who trust you, uh, the open hand of power can um, end up turning things in the direction of shedding innocent blood. And I remember when we lived in the state of Washington and there was um, this man in town in the city where we lived. And um, he had a really good position where he worked. He was a car uh, salesman, dealer, rather, I guess. And um, he held a lot of authority uh, in uh, his job. And with that, he had decided at one point, I mean, there was two lives that were really uh, devastated because of, of his uh, open hand of power over people. But he ended up hiring a young man uh, that was he knew at the time wasn't was somebody who was uh, in the United States illegally, and he abused the situation because he hired him and then uh, you know took that and hung that over that young man's head with whatever he wanted him to do. But then there came a point where his wife, him and his wife, had been married for years. I mean, literally years. They had children, uh, the whole bit, grown children by then. And uh, at least most of them, all of them, I believe, were grown. And they had a date night every Friday, I think it was, or Saturday. I don't remember the exact date. But this is something they had done for years. It was something that his wife absolutely, completely trusted her husband with, Look, this is what we do. We go on our date night. This is what goes on. It's been we've been doing this for years, and you really put your trust out there with that. Well, this man, uh, over time, uh, you know, I don't even want to say greed got a hold of him because it's far more than that, far more insidious than that. Because certainly, yes, greed was part of it, but uh, it's just an overall breakdown of of a soul into complete wickedness and ungodliness. Uh, but, you know, he had at one point purchased a life insurance policy for uh, his wife. He was the primary uh, breadwinner and made very good money. And she, you know, uh, she had been the, the wife and mother at home taking care of the kid, all that kind of thing over the years. And, and uh, you know, came to just completely trust 
her husband. Now, I don't want this to sound like that, you know, that y'all can't trust your uh, spouse, you can't trust your husband, anything. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is God sees each and every situation. You better believe that. And uh, so this man, taking the situation as it was, he capped on it. And uh, it was the plan uh, that he, you know, plotted out that he was going to get that young man involved in his scheme to kill his wife, kill his own wife. And uh, he simply asked, because the young man said, I can't be killing nobody. He said, okay. He said, well, he said, I want you to at least be uh, somewhere where I can toss the gun to you when I'm done. And then I'll just simply say somebody uh, took off uh, somewhere else. Uh, saw somebody come out of the bushes or something like that. That was the story or the plan that he was going to come up with. Because him, him and his wife always had a, a date night, like dinner and a movie or something like that. Well, this night he planned that. He planned a dinner and, and movie. And they were, uh, you know, they went out to dinner first. They had their dinner. The wife not even suspecting a thing. Not at all. Not knowing that he had a gun in the truck or the car or whatever it was. But... Um, you know, completely trusting because this is something that had been going on all, all along. And, uh, but he hatched this plan. The young man was not really comfortable with it, but he had threatened uh, to send him back to his country to say that he was working Ill illegally and all this. I mean, just it was just a really sick uh, mind this man had. And, uh, but he wrapped the young man. Now, I'm not saying that the young man's innocent. I'm not trying, you know, he, he could have just simply said, no, I don't want to have nothing to do with this and just took whatever was going to come. But in any event, he planned, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> planned it all out. I got the coughs today, people. <coughs> but anyway, um, he planned it all out. And him and his wife went out to dinner, and then they went to the movie. And they sat through the movie together, sitting next to each other, the whole nine yards, with him full well knowing what he was going to do when they got back to their car or truck, whatever it was. I think it was a truck, but I'm not sure. Um, and then he got out there, and he made sure that he parked way out where those bushes were. There was a line of bushes. And we had went to that movie theater um, at times over the years when we used to watch, used to take our kids to movies, we stopped going to the movies after a while because they just got too ridiculous uh, and carried away and, you know, putting out agendas of Hollywood and all this. So we just finally stopped going to the movies. So we don't go to the movies anymore. But at that time, we, we would once in a while try to find something that we could take the kids to many years ago when they were young. And um, so we had been to that movie theater uh, more than once. So it was quite uncomfortable after that to even dare go to that. I know some people say, oh, that's ridiculous. Well, there's other um, circumstances as to why I, I don't want to uh, that did have uh, some undercurrent with that situation. Uh, I was not involved with it. That's not what I mean. Uh, but, um, but the young man that got involved 
uh, we had met him before, and that was prior to this situation even coming about. Um, and I, I, I'm not going to say how we met him because I don't want uh, the person um, to... Well, I'm trying to be careful how I say this. I just don't want the person that knew him on the level that they knew that young man uh, to possibly um, listen to this podcast and then be upset with me for mentioning things. So I'm going to leave it at that. I don't want to go any further with that. But uh, anyway, so this young man was uh, going to be standing somewhere in the bushes and uh, so the man and his wife, they came out. She's walking to the car. He literally opened the door for her, for her to get in, the whole thing. You know, she's completely trusting. And then he gets in the car. And next thing you know, he's got that gun. He pulls out the gun and he shoots her. And um, then he got out and he tossed the gun to the young man in the bushes and the man the young man took off, and um, one thing led to another. Did they both get arrested? Yes, they did. Um, so was that hands that were, you know, open, indicating an open hand of power? Certainly. Absolutely. This woman was in complete trust to, to feel that there was nothing wrong. She... Just completely, um, you know, had no reason to think otherwise. And so these three situations, you know, whether it be young children or the emotionally weak, you know, um, like I said, that doesn't necessarily mean people with emotional problems. It can in indicate that or mean that. But but anybody that you, even, even employees uh, or employers, and you've got employees, you know, and a matter of fact, that young man was an employee of, of, of that man at the car dealership. So you can have these, this open hand of power that can lead to the shedding of innocent blood. Completely innocent. Where uh, the word innocent, uh, when you look that up, it means blameless and guiltless. You know, they, they have no reason to, uh, um, you know... The Bible talks about those, you know, a life for a life and that kind of thing. So, you know, sometimes when somebody, you know, especially somebody that maybe has um, been a serial killer or something, well, they'll, you know, because of of how many times they've done it, or or maybe it was because of how horrible the murder was or whatever, then they'll, um, you know, then they'll say, okay, well, they need the death penalty or whatever. There, there's certain criteria that go with it and all, and I, I'm not sure of all what it is but but i know that from things that i've read there is some criteria that goes with some of those situations and and, and you know and the bible does say uh, life for life uh, you know it, it talks about those things in the, in the law but uh when you're looking at this what god is saying that he hates hands that shed innocent blood you've got to take all of it within its context this is somebody who's got some kind of, uh, you know, power or uh, power over, even if it's just a moment that they've got power over you. You know, for instance, 
there was another thing that went on uh, in the state of Washington. You say, well, boy, you sure got a lot of bad stories come out of there. Well, there there was a lot of things that went on uh, in the area where we were. But there was a, an older couple, and and uh, I don't know if it was the wife's mother or the husband's mother that also lived with, with them, and she was, I think, in her 80s. But anyway, they lived in a gated community uh, that was in the area where we lived at in Houston, uh, not in Houston, in uh, Washington, state of Washington, and um, apparently the person that had been hired to uh, come onto their property to work for them and do different things for them because there was, uh, I don't know, they had like nine or ten acres, and so they needed somebody to kind of help them with some of the things around there, so this person, they got to know him. And uh, he came. He would come and go, and of course they would let him in the, into the because the gate would open up to uh, to the community is what it would do. And then you know some of those people in there had their own gates to their properties themselves. But in any event, this man was able to come and go uh, with their assistance in getting into um, the community. And so at one point, this man plotted out, just like the other one. He plotted out. Uh, that he was going to go and rob these people. Now, that was supposedly the story that they had went to rob and, and that it got out of hand. But in any event, these people were home. That's the reason why I don't think that it was, you know, I think they knew what they were going to do because they knew that they were home. They had to have known that they were home when they pull in and they see, you know, their cars there or whatever or the time that it took place and so forth would have, should have given them the indication. But in any, in any event, I ain't the lawyer and I didn't try the case. But uh, so the man had uh, gotten, I think, uh, two other people involved with him. So they went over there. Well, one thing led to another, and they went in there uh, supposedly to rob the place, but uh, the three people, which were all elderly because uh, the mother of whichever one it was, I don't remember, but uh, she was in her 80s, and then the husband and wife were in their 60s. And so they were all older folks, and uh, they killed all three of them. And they didn't kill them like, uh, I mean, they bludgeoned them. They didn't kill them like, you know, shooting them or something like that. Where, you know, uh, they bludgeoned them over and over. And, um, of course, they were arrested and went to jail and all, all of those things. But again, you know, they're, they're unsuspecting. They're, uh, you know, and, and, and what it was is it was found out, okay, there's no, uh, there's nothing that they would have been blamed for, you know, like some people say, well, was this, is there some kind of, this is just what they do in court. You know, they'll talk about, um, you know, is there mitigating circumstances, as to what, you know, happened, you know, because uh, they can knock it down from, um, you know, premeditated murder is one thing, and then I guess somebody committing murder because it was just a rage that took over. You know, they got all these different ways of, of, of looking at it, uh, you know, different situations. But when you look at the Word of God, God is saying the blameless and the guiltless. He said hands that shed innocent blood. And so these people, there was nothing. You know, it's not like this man was, uh, in other words, like he had been, uh, 
you know, mistreated or not paid for his work or anything like that. That had nothing to do with it. They just saw an opportunity because these people were well-to-do. Anybody that lived in that area, most of them were well-to-do that lived in that, lives in that area. And uh, so, you know, the man, um, he decided that he's just going to go in there and he's going to steal. And, uh, and he felt their lives were expendable. And, and and that's the thing, what I want you to understand is that the word shed, it means to pour out or cause blood to be poured out or gushed out, which is one meaning, okay? And some people say, well, well maybe somebody didn't kill them by, you know, literally causing their blood. Maybe some other way, you know, the person died. Well, it, you have to look at everything that that word means, because yes, it's meaning that in the sense, because again, you've got to look at the Jewish thought. And the Jewish thought is that is meaning because where the blood is taken out, there's no more life. And so it also means, when you look it up, it means to ex expend life and soul. Not expand, but expend. Which means you're making a decision to end a life and soul. You, you're making that decision to, to shed the blood. It means that you have made the decision that you're going to end this life, that you have decided that it is not uh, worth this person living or that person or whatever, whatever the case may be, even if it is yourself, uh, whatever the case may be. And and that's what the shedding of blood. So it's, it's something that... Um, does take some thought, you know. It, 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 there's a even if it's a quick thought, even if it's just a moment of thought, even if you say, "Well, uh, they were killed in a rage or whatever," you know, because they bring those type of things out in in court that it wasn't premeditated, that it was just something that just happened. You know, somebody started arguing, or one thing leads to another, and so on and so forth. But but in, nevertheless, you know, the Bible is giving this indication that uh, it can be that you, you you may have made a quick decision. Maybe it's unlike what the, the man did with his wife at the movie theater. That was certainly premeditated. He thought it all out. He told the young man that he would pay him $10,000 for just being behind out of the wife's uh, life insurance policy and the whole bit. Uh, you know, and, and, and honestly, he didn't get arrested right away. It took them for a while because he made it look like that he was just this, uh, you know, sad, terribly sad husband who has taken his wife out on a date, went out to dinner in a movie, and then go to their car, and she gets murdered, and the person runs off. Just come out of the blue, shot his wife, and that was the story that he, he told. But of course, his story began to unravel. Now, so, but that was premeditated. So that's, you know, so there's still, uh, even though he had a long-range thought to his plan, but then God is looking at it, he says, look, to expend life, to extend, to expend life, to shed blood. There's that. Even if it's a quick thought, and you say, "Well, uh, you know, there could be mitigating circumstances. You know, maybe the person got emotional problems or whatever." Well, you know, this is a way that uh, the world has gone to where many, many people. Uh, I'm not saying everybody, but many, many people will play that game. And they will say, oh, well, I, I, you know, I had a moment of insanity just to get out of being responsible for what they did. But let me tell you something. When you meet God, 
God's got it all figured out. Oh, yes, he does. God knows all the games that everybody play. Yes, he does. And God says in no uncertain terms that he hates the hands that shed innocent blood. So let me ask you something as we wrap this up. Do you have any type of position, whether it be in a relationship, whether it be an employer-employee relationship, whether it be, uh, you know, husband-wife relationship, spouse-spouse, whatever, uh, you got uh, type of situations, maybe parent-child, or even even older child and an, and, and an elder parent. I mean, this same thing can be in that situation. Or even people who commit crimes where they walk up to somebody at an ATM, they've got a mind to rob that person. And then because the person maybe tries to fight it off or whatever and they end up killing them, um, you know, you're not going to get out of that. You're, you're, you're going to be held account of those things when you meet God. I mean, that's just the word of God. You say, well, this is, you know, you, this is supposed to be a podcast uh, geared towards Christians and all that. Do you know how many people that claim to be Christians that don't even think in a right way? There are people that claim to be Christian that don't see a problem you know, with uh, killing somebody. And they say, oh, well, the Lord will forgive me. I mean, I've told you the story about the woman that wanted to kill her mother-in-law, and she went to hire an uh, undercover agent, not in realizing, or uh, wanted to hire somebody to kill her, her mother-in-law and didn't realize it was an undercover agent. And she actually said to that person before she got caught, because he had to pretend that he had did the deed so that she would pay the money, and then, of course, she was arrested. Uh, but she told the person at one point, she goes, well, I'm a Christian. I've been a Christian for a few years now, and and I know that it's not right. But when it's over, I'll ask God to forgive me, and then we'll go from there. Listen, it don't work that way. It don't work that way. Oh no, it don't. You think you can play with Jesus like that? Oh no, you can't. You're gonna find yourself burning in hell. Now, I didn't make that judgment. God did. You say, how so? Well, look at the Word of God. Read all the Word of God. Look at what God says. God can read the heart. He knows what's in our mind. He knows what's in our thoughts. You say, well, how can you say that person will go to hell? Well, if a person is premeditating something and they've got the idea that they can just run to Jesus after and ask forgiveness, I'm going to tell you right now, that person is not saved. No person that is truly saved, truly has faith in Jesus Christ, would behave like that at all. And if we're not saved, if we've not accepted the Lord on his terms, you don't get to accept Jesus on your terms. You've got to accept him on his terms. Now, certainly you come to the Lord with what you've done in the past. The Lord's going to forgive you those things. But when you get, get saved, uh, you, you begin to learn how to walk with the Lord. You begin to learn what does God want out of me? 
What is it that God uh, is choosing for me as far as how I live and how I walk and how uh, I serve him, how I treat others? You see. So with all that said, I'm going to let y'all go. And we're going to keep on talking about the shedding of innocent blood. Because it's an important situation. It's an important thing to be talking about because so many of this goes on. Uh, so much of this goes on. I mean, it. Uh, there, especially, you know, where we're at. In the greater Houston area, there's a lot of this that goes on, the shedding of innocent blood. And God is just sick and tired of it. God is absolutely sick and tired of it. And uh, his judgment will come to this earth one day. And so those who think that they've gotten away with it, they will not. God sees everything, marks everything down. The Bible makes that very clear. And you, God ain't going to forget nothing. Mm -mm. Now, he can forget our sins, our past sins. But if you've made up your mind that you're going to follow Jesus, but you're going to follow him and you're going to do whatever you want, including uh, so much as thinking that you could shed innocent blood, don't you know that God even likens hating your brother unto murder? Even hating your brother. You know, that, that's the thing I try to tell people. You know, People say, oh, well, you know, we don't live under the law. Oh, no, we don't live under the Mosaic law anymore. Matter of fact, the law of grace is a lot stricter than the Mosaic law. Oh, yes, it is. And the reason is because your body is to be the temple of the Holy Ghost. That temple is to be holy. That temple, that body of yours, which is the temple of the Holy Ghost, is to walk holy and serve God in holiness. And you certainly are not walking holy if you've got thoughts of hate in your mind towards your brother. When God himself, out of the mouth of Jesus Christ, said in no uncertain terms that that equates murder to even be hating your brother without a cause. Hmm? Now, that doesn't mean that you could say, well, I hate him because he was always, uh, you know, getting all the attention. Well, that's not what that means. But we'll talk about that again on this next podcast if you hang out with us and come back with us here on God's whole word. So with that said, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Hope you have a great week. I'm out.